the last days, that there will be perilous times. Uh, Timothy said the same thing. Paul said to Timothy, in the book of Timothy, Paul said, in the last days there will be perilous times. Jesus said that there will be wars and rumors of war. And he mentioned pestilence. Um, and if you notice what's going on, which is sickness. And so we're seeing these things. Um, the Bible says, Jesus said, when you see these things, he says, know that the end is coming. And Paul told Timothy that there will be some signs of the last days. And so we're seeing these things. These things are taking place. And we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. In just a moment, we'll read together verses 1 through 5. And we're in a series on love. But let me remind you that one of the things that Jesus said that will happen in the last days, he says that the love of many, the love of most, he said, will wax cold. There will be less and less love. In fact, it even goes on to say, uh, the scriptures teach even in, in different passages, Paul says that, that there will even be a lack of natural affection, of a, a true love that a parent should have for a child or a child for a parent. It says this, that, they, that children will be disobedient to parents. Well, then we know we're in the last days, right? But then the Bible says this. Paul says that in the last days... It says, he says that, that there will be a lack of love for one another. And so it's interesting because Jesus said that he says the love of most will wax cold. Paul says to Timothy, he says, hey, in the last days, there's a whole list of things. But one of the things he says is that, that there will be less and less love. And so that's why I believe this series is so important because we can see that... We are living in the end times. How many of you understand that? You believe that? You believe that? Say amen this morning. And so we're seeing it. We're seeing what the the prophecies and the Bible has prophesied about. As I mentioned last week, when you look at what's happening in Ukraine and Russia, and you're seeing what's taking place, and I'm not trying to scare anyone. I'm just trying to do what the Bible says, and that is to preach the word and to warn people and let people know that we need to be aware because understand this, because the, the Bible does mention a place called Gog and Magog, which is basically Russia. And Russia and, and Putin's goal is to basically restore the, the old Soviet Union. But he, if you look at scripture, he won't stop there. He will keep moving. And he'll keep moving eventually all the way into the Middle East. And of course, we know where it all ends, and that is there in Israel where there will be the great world war. And so we see these things taking place. And you have to understand that, that China plays a huge role. And now you see China, and I, I, I can just tell you, you can see what's happening with Taiwan. And, you know, it's just a matter of time. And so you can see that they are basically, maybe not as verbal about it, but they are definitely united. You guys understand, you see this, that we're beginning to see where things are starting to take place, things are starting to happen. And you say, Pastor Joe, are you trying to scare us this morning? I'm not trying to scare you, I'm trying to say, what Jesus said is when you see all these things taking place, don't get discouraged. He says, lift up your heads because your redemption is coming near. Jesus is coming again. Amen? So we're living in these exciting times. 
But love is so vitally important. And I believe that as we see this world, that there is less and less love, how more important it is for us as Christ followers to be demonstrating and living out what Paul taught here in Corinthians on love. What does love look like? And this is what he says, if you just follow along as we continue this morning. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and and had all knowledge, and if I had the faith that could move a mountain, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, notice this here, look at this phrase, we'll see this in a moment, that I may boast, pride, to brag. But I do not have love, he says, I gain nothing. What does love look like? And we've been studying this week, week in and week out now for a while, that love is patient, love is kind, Notice this, it does not envy. We spent some time on that one last week. And then he says this, love, it does not boast. It's not proud. It doesn't brag. He says, and it does not dishonor others, or it's not rude. Some versions say it's not rude or does not dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. It's not selfish. It's not easily angered, and it keeps no record of wrong. So let's pray. Lord, I pray you'd bless your word this morning. In the very brief time that we have, But Father, I pray that our eyes would be open and that we as followers of Christ would see that truly the Bible is so accurate, it is so relevant, that the Bible is not just some old book and that that it's not relevant, but it is relevant. And we're seeing it unfold before our very eyes that, that the Bible is true and it's coming to life even as we live each and every day. And as we are living in these last days, we're seeing it more and more. We're reminded that one of the signs that we're in the last days is that there is a lack of love, true love, one for another. And so, Father, Lord, I pray that you would help us to take your teachings and to take your word and to apply it and equip us. Teach us how to love and show us how it is that we're to live, Lord, because to be a follower of Christ is to love one another the way that you loved us. And so help us to do that. Teach us how to do that. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Probably one of the greatest chapters in the Bible on the subject of love is 1 Corinthians 13. Although there's a lot in it, in the Bible about it. And Jesus said that we're to love God with all of our heart, right? Say it with me, in all of our soul, and all of our mind, and all of our being, all, all that we have. He said, this is the first commandment. What's the second? To what? To love your neighbor as yourself. He says, these two commandments, these are the key commandments. You know, one thing about our church is we say, we, what are we here for? What is our mission? To love God, to love others, and to make disciples. What does it look like to love others? And that's what we've really are, are, are studying as we go through this passage. And we're seeing what the Bible says love looks like. And so we saw a number of things about love and and what it looks like. What we've really been driving home every week is that love is a choice. Love is a choice. You see, love must sometimes choose to be patient, to be long-suffering. Love must choose to be kind. 
There's times where we have to choose not to be jealous. And he says here, he says, love is not jealous. And we studied that last week. But would you just for a moment look at another passage? We'll put it up here. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want you to notice that Paul, as he writes this, this letter to this church, that there was jealousy within this church. But not only was there jealousy, but there was a lot of pride. And it's interesting because the Bible says that pride, through pride is what brings animosity and contention and strife. And so in this church, there was a lot of struggles. Notice what it says in 1 Corinthians 3. Now listen to what Paul says. I mean, he's pretty straightforward. This guy's pretty blunt. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly. Listen to what he says, mere infants in Christ. He says, you are a bunch of baby Christians. Wow. He says, I gave you milk, not solid foods, for you are not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. Paul is letting this church have it. Do you see that? He says, you are babies. You are infants. Now listen to what he says. You're still worldly. Why? For since there is jealousy and quarreling and you know, arguing and fighting among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like just mere humans? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I, I'm a follower of Apollos, Are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I have planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and they will each be be rewarded according to their own labor. Last week, we saw that love is not jealous. But notice what Paul says. One of the issues and problems within the church is there was jealousy, there was arguing, there was fighting. And beyond that, it leads to what we're going to see today Because he says not only is love not jealous, but he says love does not boast. Love does not brag. And he goes on to say love is not filled with pride. In some versions it will say this, that love does not puff itself up. You see, within this church what was happening is there was a lot of, of I'm better than you. Puffed up in pride. I'm more spiritual than you are. Do you notice what Paul said? And he's even speaking of himself. He said, some of you say, well, I'm a follower of of Apollos. I'm a convert of Apollos. So that makes me more important than someone else. And the other person, well, I am a follower of Paul, the apostle Paul. So therefore, I am more special than you. By the way, this is something that has been carried on for many generations, even to this day in which we live. Can I just be very blunt and bold here? I don't care who you are a follower of. The only one we should be following, and Paul said, listen to me, it's not about me, and it's not about the other apostles. Listen to me. We should not be worshiping the apostles. We should be worshiping Jesus Christ. 
And he says it's God who gave them the ability and we should be worshiping him and him alone. But somehow, somehow in our humanity, what we've done is this, is we begin to worship mere men. And Paul says we are just servants of the gospel. We are just servants of Christ and we are servants of God. And he says you have put way too much, too much into hero worship. And worshiping men. Are you with me this morning? And Paul calls them out. And he says, this is wrong. This is not right. And so you've now become jealous of one another. And you've created jealousy and envy within the body of Christ. And so charity does not brag. It does not boast. It does not exalt itself. True love is not filled with pride. It's not man-centered. Oh, boy. (laughs) Think about it like this. True love does not parade or brag about its accomplishments, especially in the spiritual realm. You know, I grew up in churches where we'd have guest speakers and evangelists and pastors and preachers and teachers and... And I remember they would come and they would tell us how many times they've read through the Bible. I've read through the Bible 43 times. And I thought you just got your reward. I knew a guy that would fast. He would fast for 40 days and 40 nights and he made sure everyone knew about it. He would travel and he would preach. Let me tell you though... (laughs) He would make it up. He would make up for the other 325. Let me tell you. The other 320 days, he made up for it. And he would tell, and he would, and he was an evangelist, and he would go around and he would say, you know, I fast for 40 days and 40 nights, and look at me, and look how spiritual I am. And and I would sit there, even as a teenager and as a young man, I thought to myself, this is not what the Bible says to do and how to act. And I thought to myself, please forgive me here, please. But I thought to myself, well, you have plenty to live off. You could go another 60. (laughs) Let's just say he made up for it. Let me tell you. He was pleasantly plump, if you know what I mean. He was a big man. And he would fast and pray, but he would tell everyone about it and brag about it and and make everyone else feel inferior because he was so spiritual because he could could fast for 40 days and 40 nights. And I thought to myself, but you just got up and you bragged about it and told everyone about it. And the Bible says you've lost your reward. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, when you pray, go to your prayer closet and go there in private and in secret and call out to God and God who sees you in the secret place, he'll reward you openly, but you don't do it to boast or to brag. Jesus said, when you fast, he didn't say if He didn't say if you pray and if you fast, but he says when you do these things, he said wash your face, anoint your head with oil, and don't go around making it look like, oh, oh, I'm so hungry. Well, why are you hungry? Oh, I've been fasting for three days because I'm so spiritual. If you were to read the chapters leading up to this 1 Corinthians 13, remember he says this is the more excellent way. You know what was happening? There was the gifts in the church. 
Some said, I have a gift of prophecy. And some said, well, I have a gift of healing. And some said, well, I have a gift of speaking in tongues. And I can speak in a heavenly voice. Yamaha. And because I speak in this heavenly voice, I am therefore more filled with the Spirit of God than you are. Now, we jest about these things, but you want to know something. There are a lot of churches and a lot of people who say, basically, I am a more superior Christian than you are because I can speak in heavenly voices. But what do we just read? Paul says, you can speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but if you don't have love, he says, you are absolutely nothing. And he says, if you do it to brag and to boast, then you've done it for the wrong reason. Somebody say amen this morning. When I was going through Bible college and Bible college and, you know, working and things, and I would meet different people and they would begin to talk with you. And they said, well, what are you doing? And, you know, what are you? Well, I'm, I'm in Bible college. They're like, Really? And this is one I'd always get a lot of times. Really, you're in Bible college? And I'd say, yes. And they'd say, well, can I ask you a very important question? And I'd say, well, sure, shoot, anything. They would then, they, then they, this is what they would say. They'd say, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled? Are you anointed? Are you anointed with the Holy Spirit? Well, I already knew exactly where they were going. And I would say this. I wouldn't even answer that question. I'd say, so you're asking if I speak in tongues or not. And then it'll get real quiet. And you know what I'd say? You know what the book of Acts says? A person who is filled with the Spirit, the very first thing it says is that they were filled with boldness to preach the Word of God. I would say, yes, I'm filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, then you must speak in tongues. No, I don't speak in tongues. English, and I barely know that one. <laughs> Struggle with that one. I'm not trying to be mean, but the fact of the matter is whether someone can speak in tongues or supposedly prophesy or heal or any of those things, can I say this? It should never be to brag or to boast or to one-up everyone else. Are you guys with me this morning? And if that's why we're doing it, it's for all the wrong reasons. And he says true love. He says to this church because there was this jealousy and there was envy, and there was bragging, and there was boastfulness. You'll find that even in, in these chapters in this letter, that what was happening was, even at the Lord's Supper, when they would come together for communion, they made it more into a feast. And the Bible says, Paul says, there were some who had nothing. There were poor families who had nothing. And the others, they would have an extravagant meal, and they would sit there and show off their wealth, and show off their feast, while the others sat there with nothing. And Paul said, this is wrong, it's not right, you shouldn't be doing it and you're taking a good thing that the Lord started you're making it into something that it never was intended to be think about it like this jealousy is wanting what other people have but bragging and boasting is trying to make other people jealous of what you do have do you understand that when when we when we boast and when we brag 
when we're pompous and arrogant and we try to portray ourselves to be something that maybe even we're not, the fact of the matter is what we're doing is we're becoming a stumbling block and we're trying to make others feel jealous. And here's the thing. What happens is it makes others feel inadequate or inferior. And he says true love does not make other people feel inadequate or inferior. Does this make sense? To one-up someone. Now, we understand that within the church this was happening, but in a very practical sense, we have to understand that sometimes, maybe even unintentionally, if we're not careful, that when we, we live our lives, we're doing it in such a way that we're causing other people to feel inadequate, to feel inferior, to make them feel less, and even in some cases to hurt them. That's what the Pharisees did, right? Remember the Pharisees, they would wear special clothing, and they would be all dressed up, dressed to the hilt, and there's bright clothing, and they wear these long tassels, and, and they would pray. When they prayed, they did out in public. Remember, you, you, know, the, you, you see it all through the scriptures, Jesus constantly addressing them, how they prayed and how they fasted. And, and when they gave, they made sure everyone knew exactly how much they gave, you know, and they made sure everyone knew. In fact, the Bible says they would blow trumpets. Here they come and they would make loud, loud noise here. I'm coming to give. Look at me. And the Pharisees were inflated. They were braggarts. Always telling everyone how spiritual they were. Let everyone know how much they tithed and what they did for the, for the Lord. And Jesus said, this, that's not right. And so what we have to understand is that true love does not make others around us feel inferior or less. Does that make sense? In fact, the opposite. We should be building them up and encouraging them and strengthening them and encouraging them up in the Lord. Look at Proverbs 13, verse 10. Look at this scripture. It says this, where there is strife, there is pride. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. Where there is strife, there is pride. The Bible says here that love is not, does not boast, but it also says that it's not proud. It does not brag. It does not boast. It's not proud. It's not arrogant or pompous inflating oneself. And the Bible says that in this church there was strife. And notice what it says. Where there's pride, there's going to be strife. Where there is strife, there is pride. You know, the same is also in our relationships. Let's be honest. You know, when we argue and when we fight. Now, you guys don't argue and fight at home, do you? How many of you did it on the way to church this morning? You can just tell sometimes. There's, I mean, it's just true. It happens, you know. You can just see them when they come through the door. You're like, how do you know, Pastor? Because our family is the same way, you know. Usually it's Sunday morning. Everyone's fighting and arguing and trying to get ready and trying to use the bathrooms and trying to get out. And, you know, and everyone's like, ah. And then you walk through the church and everything. Oh, hi. How's it going? Oh, it's a beautiful day. Love Jesus, you know. Just had World War III in the car on the way there. Come on now. Listen, we're right. But, you know, what happens a lot of times in relationships and in marriage and where strife is because there's pride. And a lot of times we don't want to admit we're wrong or we're going to, you know, we're going to battle. We're going to fight. And I'm, I'm right. I'm right. And so this, this causes, this pride 
causes contention and strife. And so we have to guard against this. Look at me in Philippians. The Bible tells us about Christ and his example. But in Philippians 2, verse 3 through 11, notice what Paul says. He says, to this church at Philippi, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Don't, you know, don't, don't be selfish. Notice, or vain conceit. Do you see that? That pride, bragging. He says, rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interest, but to each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships, here you go, in your relationships, have the same mindset or have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. What was his attitude like? What did he do? It says this, who, being in very nature God, Jesus is God. Jesus was God. Look at this. Who being in the very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus was God. And although Jesus was God, the Bible clearly says this and clearly teaches this, that Jesus was God. He didn't use it to exalt himself or to his own advantage. By the way, there are a lot of religious people who are using, if you will, the gospel to their own advantage, to exalt themselves. And yet Jesus did not do this. What did Jesus do? Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in the human likeness. He became man. God became a man. He took and clothed himself in humanity. And being found in the appearance as a man, he did what? He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on a cross. Therefore, God, this is what God does when you humble yourself. Notice what he did to the Lord Jesus. It says, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And that every tongue will acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Jesus humbled himself. Jesus, although he was God in the flesh, he did not use it to his own advantage. He didn't use it and abuse it. He humbled himself, became a servant, and he washed his disciples' feet. And he says, Paul says, this is the nature that we need to bring upon ourselves. This is the attitude that we need to have. He says, don't do things in and selfish motives and selfish desires and don't do things to, to, to be conceited and don't, do, don't allow pride to destroy you. Don't allow this pride to creep in. He says, true love does not brag. It does not boast. True love does not do this. In fact, true love looks out for the needs of others over yourself. True love is not filled with pride, but rather with humility. Jesus set the greatest example. Real love does not try to make others feel less or inferior. He then goes on to say this. Notice what he says. Then love is not, different versions will say different things, but love is not rude. And I think this is where it gets really, really just practical. What does love look like? Love is not rude. 
Love treats other people the way, obviously, we would want to be treated. Love does not... Let me say it like this. Love has manners. Love can be polite. Love says please and thank you. (laughs) Love means you do your best to be on the time to appointments and not leave people sitting there for a half an hour waiting for you. Love does not sit out in the front and honk the horn at your wife saying, hurry up and get out here. Although I have done that a few times. Love is not rude. Love has manners. You know, this is one I have to work at. Love listens when people speak. Give them our attention. Not be distracted. I don't know about you guys, but it's so hard when you have your cell phone and you're in a conversation. And all of a sudden, the little, the little thing chimes. Ding! And it notifies you that you have a notification, but you're in a conversation, but you just got who it was. And my wife was like, don't you dare. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. She will. She's like, don't you. We're in a conversation right now. And I'll be like, okay. I just got luck. And it's always something very, very important, you know. I mean, it's like a Facebook notification. It's like somebody posts a new story. You got to know what that new story is, you know. It's always something really important. But love has manners. You know, love does not treat people rudely. Love has manners. Love, listen to some of the things I'm about to say, is ethical. You do things the right way at the right time, how you treat people. Love does not gossip and backstab. Love will have you go talk to someone first before you talk about them. Come on now, right? This is where things get really practical. You know, within this Corinthian church, there was all kinds of fighting and arguing and jealousy and tearing one another down. And Paul was trying to address it. He's trying to say to this church, you may have all the gifts and all the talents and all these things, but how you treat one another is so very important. Because what did Jesus say? The way that we love will, will demonstrate our true love for Christ. And he says, by this all men will, you know, will know that you're my disciples if you do what? Have love one toward another. So love is kind and love is patient and all of these things. But love is not rude. Love is, is ethical in how we do things and how we treat people. We know the golden rule, right? Treat others the way that we would want to be treated. You know, sometimes we don't realize this, but as believers, as Christians, we can become very rude in how we deal with people. Look at this passage in Peter 3, 15-16. Hopefully I gave them the right one. But listen what it says. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But notice what he says. How do you do it? But do this with what? Gentleness and respect. 
keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. You know, sometimes Christians are the rudest people I've ever met. Somebody say amen there. It's true. Am I right? There are some of the rudest people I've ever met. You barely know them. I mean, they, they and there's, and I, I, forgive me here. I know there's some people who have a lot of zealous, and there's a lot of those zealous Christians, you know? I remember when I was going to school for a while in Pensacola, Florida, there was a group of people down there. There was a group of Christians down there, and they were the mean, 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 mean people. You'd pull up to a stoplight, and you'd sit there, and they'd have these signs, and it was, you know, it would be like Romans 3, you know, 323, and Romans, all these verses out of Romans, and it would be like, repent, and I remember I'd pull up to light, and one guy's screaming at me, you're going to hell, and I wanted to say something back to him, too, like, you know, I know where you can go. And he's screaming at me, holding up a Bible verse and telling me to repent. And he literally shouted at me through the window. He says, you're going to hell. I'm like, you don't know my heart. You don't know my heart. How do you know? I, I don't know a person's heart. But he was screaming and yelling at me. And I thought, well, that's going to win a lot of people over to Jesus right there. Turn or burn, you know, like... People holding up these signs, screaming and hollering and yelling. You know, you barely know someone for five seconds and they're, they're letting you have it. You know, Christians, what did the Bible say? How should we do it? We should do it with gentleness and kindness and with respect. Respect. Yes, we have the, should have a reason for the hope that's within us. But also at the same time, he says... Have some balance here. Do it with kindness and love and out of respect. And yet many times Christians can be so rude. When I was pastoring in Missouri, just down the road, there was what was called Westboro Baptist Church. And by the way, if you were Baptist, everyone hated you there. You know, it's like you got the name Baptist. Westboro Baptist Church. Anyone ever hear of these people? They were on national news. They're the people who would protest. We had funerals of fallen soldiers and they would come and they would protest and hold up signs and saying that they're burning in hell and all of these hurtful things. And I'm thinking to myself, that is not what Christ wants us to do. Are you with me this morning? Amen. Yet they would, they, listen to me, they're causing more harm for the cause of Christ than they are good. And so as followers of Christ, as believers, true love, true love is not rude. True love, he says, is kind and it's patient and long-suffering. And true love is, is not rude to people and does not, we don't have this attitude of, in, we're, we're, you know, to make others feel inferior and that somehow we are superior, that we are better than everyone else. Can I remind us all of something? We are all sinners saved by the grace of God. We are nothing but dust. And there is no one who's better than anyone else. And Paul, who was one of the apostles, said, I am a mere servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's God who grants the increase. It's God who should get the honor. It's God who should get the glory. And so true love does not boast and brag and treat people unkindly. True love is not rude. True love treats others the way that we would want to be treated. 
And Jesus said, if you have this love, this agape love one toward another, it will draw people to him. Amen? It will draw people to him. As I close this morning, here is what I want us to be reminded of. We already sang that song earlier. But it's all about him. Amen? As a follower of Jesus Christ, everything that we do is about him. Not exalting ourselves. Not about parading ourselves and making ourselves out to be something that we're not. Because we are all sinners saved by the amazing grace of God. Amen? And so we must be reminded that it's the Lord Jesus Christ that we serve. That passage we read in Philippians, Jesus Christ being the greatest example. I love what it says, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen? To the glory of the Father. He is Lord. He is who we are worshiping. And understand this. Listen, at Red Hills, it's about loving God and worshiping Him. Amen? And loving others. That's our mission. That's our goal. That's what we're here to do, to love God and to love others and then to make disciples, meaning to, 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 to have others do the same thing, to, to continue to carry that on so that other people will fall in love with him. But please, may we never forget this. At Red Hills, it's all about him. It's not about us. It's not about glorifying ourselves. If you have a gift, a talent, an ability, if you can sing or whatever it is and teach or whatever it is that you do, we do it for his honor and for his glory to exalt him, not to exalt ourselves. Amen. We're here to honor, to glorify him, to make him honored, glorified, to exalt him, not ourselves, not ourselves. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, for this empowerment.